About to be 10. McLean, how are you? 11. I think our drummer's 17. What's your excuse? I'm serious. What's your excuse? Why you can't sing? Why you can't serve? Um, there'll be nobody more blessed than they were. We say, oh, that was such a blessing. Yeah, blessing comes in obedience, not in entertainment. And I don't mean that we were just entertained, but man, when you do exactly what God wants you to do, there's nothing like it. We've had a great morning, and I, I want to uh, thank all the men who came this morning, enjoyed the fellowship of our men's ministry and those who are leading, those who are serving. We had a great time around the table and just sharing uh, Brother Andrew and my heart uh, about what God's not specific vision and dreams, but biblically, what does the Spirit want from us and where are we headed? And we're thankful for all of you earthly fathers who are here today, uh, who are raising your children. I see many guests. We are glad God has led you here today. And we want you to just join in and worship our risen Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This morning, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Andrew, Brooke, Becky, and I spent most of the week in Nashville at the Southern Baptist Convention. And some of you have asked me how it went, and uh, my answer was some good, some bad, and some inconsequential. But we'll be sharing more specifically about that, and we, we're trying to compile our thoughts and what we experienced there uh, and what we believe the direction of our convention, uh, where it is going. And during one of the times that we were sitting with 17,000 of our closest friends, uh, crammed in uh, tighter than uh, any concert that you could go to, there's more room in a line at Six Flags than there is uh, in that convention hall. And there was some arguing going on and politics and things going on during that time. And my spirit was very heavy. And God gave me the word for this morning. And just this quick, God gave me some thoughts about this. But our focus this morning is joy for the journey. In the midst of all the trials and tribulations, in the midst of all the worry and the confusion, in the midst of the roller coaster ride we call life, of the highs and the lows, and those days that just kind of blur into the oblivion, we can find joy for the journey. When I was younger and we would take a road trip, my focus was get in the vehicle and get there just as absolutely fast as we can get there. But the older I've gotten, the more I've been willing to kind of stop and smell the roses a little bit. On our way home Friday or Thursday, everyone else was on the road between Nashville and Claxton, Georgia. Everybody. 
body. Not stop and go, but literally bumper to bumper from the time we got on the expressway uh, at Opryland until we got off of 16 uh, in Matter. Cars everywhere. You couldn't get in a hurry. It took us an hour and a half longer to get home than it did to go. But as we had left, and man, the road was so congested, leaving Nashville back to Chattanooga. And uh, at my age, whether you want to stop or not, you have to stop. And so I said, hey, here's a rest area. Hit the rest area. We hit the rest area, and we get out to use the facilities, get a Diet Coke, and we look, and I believe it is the most beautiful rest area I've ever seen. It's just south of Mont Eagle, and there's this humongous lake and this rock cliff, and you don't see houses or buildings. It's just a grand view from this rock ledge on the back of this rest area. There's nothing to cloud your view of this beautiful portrait of God's creation. And there for just a moment, we, we took the only pictures we took of the whole trip. Uh, and we took it in a rest area. It was a little picture of joy along a very long journey home. Some of us are going through life so fast that we're missing the joy along the journey. We're so anxious for our kids to grow up to get to this point, and we're so anxious to move up in our job, and we're so, so caught up in the hurry, hustle, and bustle of the journey, we're missing the joy. I know I do. That I'm so anxious to get things done. This morning I I'd had some thoughts that Andrew and I talked about this week of sharing this morning. But I said, I want to take a moment and just enjoy. And so if you don't believe in miracles, your pastor was here at 7.15 this morning. God's still in the miracle business. I walked in and you'd have thought they had all seen the dead come back to life. But I enjoyed being able to just stand there because those guys, there's no room. They're getting it all done. And Michael talked about this earlier. We just kind of stood and watched them work and talk and drink coffee and enjoyed a little bit of joy along the journey. You see, the word joy in Scripture is a frame of mind, not a situation of the flesh. It, it's positional in Christ, not positional in the world. It's found centered in Christ, not the things of the flesh. So many of us are consumed with measuring up to what the world thinks. We're listening to what the world says that we think and we hear and we are constantly regurgitating the negativity that is the flesh that we forget that joy is found in the Lord. In Acts chapter 2, you know, you look back over life and there's very large, you take a history class, and history class about making a good grade is simply memorization. Memorizing when the big things happen, that's all it is. You know, you, you, memor, you memorize, you know, 
the date of Christopher Columbus, what, 16 something or another? 1642, 1692, you have, I don't care, I don't care. Uh, it's, it's in that, yeah, I don't care, I, I'm not pa- taking the test today. Civil War, you have the Revolutionary War. Some think that, you know, it all happened in 1776, it was actually a few years later. You have Civil War and you have those dates of the 1860s and World War I, the 1917 era. You have, you have World War II. You have the space shuttle disasters. You have uh, November 22nd, 1963. What is that? The day Kennedy was assassinated. You have September 11th, 2001. Two, uh, 20 years this September. We have very specific Dates, But in Christendom, there's no greater date than the date of Pentecost when Jesus ascended and the Spirit fell and the church was born. And so we see in Acts chapter 2, I was trying to remember that song with Christopher Columbus, so I guess I do care. But regardless... We'll, ce- we'll celebrate Indigenous Day, I guess, and the date doesn't matter. That was a joke. Y'all don't know any about That's another lesson. Acts 2, verse 22. So these men, this ragtag bunch of fishermen, tax collectors, all these guys that were just obscure men, except for one thing. Jesus, but for Jesus. Andrew, follow me. Peter, I've met the Messiah. Well, then I'm going to go follow him too. Matthew, let's go to your house and eat. And so on and so forth. And you see these apostles and their presence with the Lord. They're being discipled by the very Savior who had saved them. Now it was time. Listen, This whole idea that God saved you to sit in a chair and let somebody else teach you, let somebody else pray for you, let somebody else sing to you. These apostles were saved, discipled, and then God empowered them to tell the world Jesus saves. Once again, what's your excuse? He said, wait until the Spirit The power of the Holy Spirit falls on you. And they waited and the Holy Spirit fell on them. And we see in verse 22 that Peter began to speak. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves also know, Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Amen and amen. Now he gives a story about David looking into the future and being a prophet, God revealing to him in a shadow his Savior that would come later. He speaks of that in verses 25 through 27. But look in verse 28. He said, You have made known to me the ways of life. 
you will make me full of joy in your presence. Joy for the journey. I want to begin this morning by telling us that we need to be mapping out the journey. And how do we do it? In the old days, we'd take the big atlas I talked about not too long ago. And you didn't do that driving down the road. There wasn't any worried about, you know, using electronic devices. You had to pull over, pull out the atlas, stretch out the map, try to learn how to fold a map, mark it out. You had to plan a trip, did you not? You had to plan a trip. And there wasn't even as many expressways. I can remember as a boy driving from Powder Springs, Georgia to Florida on Highway 41. Sound like an Almond Brothers song. But today, we have these little gadgets. We have our phones. And we have these little things that women will talk to us and tell us. And men, how did we get suckered into that? We've been trying to stop that our whole lives. She's pretty smart. What do we need to do is trust the GPS. Trust the GPS. Well, in the biblical terms, the, our GPS is God's plan. God's plan of salvation. Look what he said back in verse 22. He said, men, hear these words. Now, you know how I know that the words he spoke are inspired? Because I'm reading them. So the Spirit of God was not only on him to preach, it was on him in a prophetical sense that he was literally speaking what would become the canon of Scripture. And he said, hear these words. What are these words? First of all, he said in verse 22 that Jesus became man, God in the flesh. A man attested by God to you, by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst. As you know, he became man. God leaving heaven and coming to earth. God robed in flesh, not Jesus being a part of God. God the Father being a part and God the Son being a part and God the Spirit being a part. We don't have three parts that make up God. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We do not have a three-headed God. We have a triune God. All individuals yet one God. The Trinity. And we understand that Jesus left his throne in heaven and took on the robe of flesh, and did so that he may live in the flesh without sin. And the only way to be able to live without sin is you got to begin without sin. And the only way he can do that is be born of a virgin. And the only way he can do that is overcoming nature through his Godhood. And God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, overshadowed the woman, and Jesus was conceived. Cults would have you believe that it was some kind of relationship between God and Mary. Not so. Mary was scared to death when the angel told her what was going to happen. And the angel had to say, Mary, don't fret. You've been chosen above all others. That's pretty cool, isn't it? 
And you know, we ought to look at it that way when God speaks to us about doing something. McLean, Pate, I'm proud of y'all guys this morning. Today, y'all are my heroes. Today, y'all are my heroes. Because God laid it on your heart, you got up and did it. And I, I, I know you two boys well enough to know, y'all probably ain't going to get pressured into much. Now, they may be able to hold you your head over it, but if y'all really didn't want to do it, y'all wouldn't have done it. Y'all did it because you wanted to do it. And you see, when God calls us to do something, there is no greater joy in, than to find yourself in the fulfillment of God's plan, and that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't come kicking and screaming. He counted in honor. He humbled himself, he said, in Philippians, made lower than the angels. When we map out our journey for life, it must begin with Jesus. Jesus became man. Jesus was miraculous. Look what he said. He did miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in the midst of the world. It was God on display. That's what the miracles were, to draw attention to his Godhood. Now, he didn't do pet tricks, did he? Now, moms and dads, you know, today's Father's Day. Guys, we, we always want to prop our son up say, hey, show them that thing you do. And they're going to do it when nobody else is watching. But to do it on cue ain't going to happen. It's just... They'll lock up. They're not going to do it. But here, God had Jesus do things according to his time, not according to the world. Mary said, Jesus, do that thing. He said, Mary, it's not time. Woman, it's not time. No, I'm not doing this. Oh, come on, Jesus. No, I'm not doing it. The world said, Jesus, do this. Come down off the cross. Oh, he saved others. He cannot save himself. Jesus came to be obedient to one, and that was the Father. And he displayed it in miraculous ways. Jesus was surrendered. Look in verse 23. Being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. He was surrendered to the Father's will. No matter what you do in life, you will never be able to have a check mark beside your name as being a, a success until you surrender to the authority of God. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how popular you are. I don't care how beautiful and what grades you make, what size houses, and how many toys you have. If God is not pleased in your life, and you are not surrendered, then God is not working in your life. We try to give God credit for the fleshly things that we accrue. And the truth is, God is on display when we are being obedient. That's when God is on display. You remember the seven sons of Sceva that tried to cast out demons in the Lord's name, but God wasn't in it? And not only did it not work, it said that they come out on them whooped them and sent them home naked. But here's what's wild about that, and it said God was glorified in it. We look at situations where it looks like a complete spiritual train wreck, but the truth is God is revealing the hypocrisy in our lives, and God is glorified when it's laid bare and the world sees there's a difference between him 
and them. In leadership, you say, oh, I can't believe this happened. It's just, boy, that hurts our witness. I'm going to tell you something. God's glorified when sin is revealed and dealt with. There's hidden sin in your life. I'm telling you, don't wait for God to have to reveal it. Get it right with him today. Jesus was miraculous. I mean, think of the things he did. I mean, it'd blow your mind, wouldn't it? I've been there, and I hope many of you will go with me next year. And and I'm going to tell you, just stand there and to know it was right in this spot that Jesus took this little five loaves and two fish and fed thousands of people. Where he took this water that would literally make you sick and turned it into new wine that blessed all at the marriage supper. Man, what a God. Jesus was surrendered to the Father's will. Understand, this is about joy. Joy for the journey. We often get started and we, we become numb to the travel. And it's just the same clippity-clop expressway of life where it's just, it's just routine. It's just blah, blah, blah. And life becomes like that. And we're missing out on the joy of the Lord. And part of it is when we get into a routine, it's real easy to drift, to drift away from the Lord. You know, on the roads now, They've cut the crinkle fries, you know? And you start over and it's just, I mean, it'll wake you up pretty quick. Is God trying to wake you up to the reality that you're drifting from the center of his will? I hear someone every single week say, they used to go to east side. They used to go to Eastside. They used to teach at Eastside. They used to be, they grew up at Eastside. I hear it every week. I think there's like 17 people in Evans County that didn't used to go to Eastside. Many of them, and the truth, the sad truth is, many don't go anywhere. If you don't believe that, we'll print you a roll. You can come by and pick it up, or I'll bring it to you Wednesday night. And show you the inactive role of membership. That's roughly 70%. They used to. Let it never be said of us, we used to. But let us be surrendered. Jesus suffered. He said right here in verse 23 that by the purpose and foreknowledge of God. He said, you took him by lawless hands, crucified him, and put him to death. Jesus suffered for the sins of man. He didn't die for kicks. He didn't die so that you could talk everybody that dies into heaven. That you can believe that somehow good works Growing up in the South and being sweet would get you to heaven. Listen to me today. If you miss everything else, you hear this. There is only one way through that pearly gate, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you could be good, you could sing good, preach good, serve good, give good, 
love good and get to heaven on being good, then Jesus would not have had to die. But because we're born into sin, because of Adam and Eve's sin, that man chose to corrupt that which was good and to disobey God's command, Jesus came. Why? That we may be reconciled, that we might find remission of sin, and we may be taken that which is worthless and be redeemed by his blood. Jesus suffered for the sins of man. But Jesus is risen over the power of death. He said in verse 24, whom God raised, I love that. He said in the latter part of 23, you crucified him, put him to death, but God raised him up. I want you to understand the ramifications of this. Jesus is risen over the power of death so that one day in Christ Jesus, when we leave this flesh, we know victory is ours. You see, the joy of the journey is not here until you draw your last breath here. Your journey is from here until you stand in the presence of God. You are eternally alive. When you are bought with that price, you have been saved. You're eternally alive. You're already on your journey. If you're lost, I beg you, start your journey today. You're still sitting in the pits. You're sitting over there with a great vehicle, slam on empty, with no direction. I'm here to tell you, it starts, God's plan, his GPS for salvation is that Jesus suffered for the sins of man and that he has risen over the power of death. Listen to this. Jesus is risen in purpose for our lives. What is that purpose today? See, I was saved in 1972. So did he just say me that I could live any kind of way, do whatever I want until I die, and then everything would be all right then? He said in chapter 10, of, of verse 10 of chapter 10 of John, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's where joy is found. In his life, there is joy. Joy is knowing where you're going. Joy is knowing that you're resting in him, abiding in him. The joy is found in his life. He's risen in that. Remember how excited they were when they got there and the tomb was empty? At first, there was great doubt, and they said, tell us where you put him and we'll go get him. Jesus said, Mary, and the scales fell off, and she said, Master. What about the two guys on the road to Emmaus? That's not a euphemism. That's, an, that's not an allegory. It's a true story. Listen, two guys walking, Jesus just comes up alongside of them and he begins to talk with them and they begin to talk about spiritual things. Hey, it may do you good to talk about spiritual things every once in a while. You never know what God's wanting to show you through someone else. 
and they're talking about spiritual things and then all of a sudden, poof, he's gone. And they realize this was the risen Savior and they said, oh, did our hearts not burn with this? When's the last time you burn hot for Jesus? If we'd get as excited about our journey through life as we do about our journey to the woods or our journey to the lake or our journey to the beach or our journey overseas, if we would get as excited about life's journey and the joy he has given us, we could turn this world upside down. I love a good vacation, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's golf, nap, supper, Ride rides, go to bed, get up and do it again. And I love every minute of it. Go to the beach about one hour out of the week, and that's enough. I wish they wouldn't even put sand traps on the golf course. Leave that stuff at the beach. I can open my balcony and drink coffee and the air conditions behind me and look out and say, oh, this is beautiful, and never have to get one grain on my foot. I love vacation. I love the outdoors. I love the woods. I'm going to tell you, you can say what you want. There's nothing prettier than a wonderfully just well-landscaped golf course. It's gorgeous with the lakes and all the things that go on there. But there's nothing in this life that's as fulfilling as being in some of the most miserable locations and being in the center of God's will. Case in point, Haiti. I've never been that hot before and I don't think I'll ever be that hot again. The hottest place I've ever been on earth. Filthiest place I've ever been on earth. Scariest place I've ever been on earth. But we found joy in the center of God's will. Some of you really worried about God's will on that plane when we flew to Guatemala, especially when we had to divert because of wind shear. I was a little questionable myself. But the truth is, whether we stayed in there on the ground, Jesus is risen over the power of death, and our purpose in life is joy. Second of all, Once we've got our GPS on, God's plan of salvation, we've heard his words, then we need to follow directions. Follow directions. Men, follow directions. He said in verse 28, you have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. When we follow the directions, you'll find joy in trials. James says, count it all joy when you face diverse trials and tribulations, temptations, the things the world cripples you with or tries to. You can find joy in the midst of trials. Young people. When the world challenges you to look like them, be like them, do like them, smell like them, 
follow them and do the things that the world tells you there's happiness in and you stand for him, I'm telling you, there'll be joy in the midst of your trial. Joy does not mean the absence of trials. It means God is present in the center of your trials. Senior adults, amen to that. You've already walked this path. You've seen many trials and tribulations. What does the song say? He tells us of many trials, toils and snares I have already come. But Jesus who has kept me safe thus far, I know will lead me on. There is joy in the midst of trials. There's joy in triumph. In Acts chapter 13, for the sake of time, you can read it later. In Acts 13, there's a story of, of Peter and those apostles who's preaching the gospel. And there's joy in triumph because the Gentiles were being saved. But in the midst of it, the religious crowd, the priest and the well-to-do and the well-informed and the well-respected of the community, it says, expelled them from the city. And you know what they did? Do you know what Peter and those guys did? Peace out. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. If they would not, grant them Godspeed and treat them like that, they were to knock the dust off the soles of their feet and go on somewhere else. But it said in verse 52 that they rejoice with great joy. See, there's joy and triumph, but there's also joy over wickedness. You look at the world today and it can be the most disheartened thing. But if we would just simply turn around and look at God, instead of looking around at all the things of the world, look up. For that's where our hope comes from. Not from CNN, not from FOX, not from any talking head of this world. Our remedy, our hope, our joy comes from one. And that's from the Lord. Aren't you glad of that? Joy because the Gentiles were saved. Joy even when the religious crowd rejected. There's joy through weakness. We all sin and come short of the glory of God. Matt referred to this this morning. That even no matter what it is confessed before the Lord is forgiven. Rest in that joy. That's why Jesus died, to set you free from the bondage of not only the penalty, but the power of sin. That, that power that tries to say, oh, look what you've done. Yeah, but look what Jesus did. And I have confessed it before the Lord. Take it to Calvary and leave it there. Joy through weakness. Paul was weak. But Jesus said, my grace is sufficient. Paul found joy in the midst of weakness. He found joy in a dungeon. Peter found joy on a cross. John found joy being exiled on the Isle of Patmos. 
Many others found joy in all kinds of weakness because their joy was not found in things, but in Jesus. What's your joy in? If your joy is in things, it will change. If your joy is in ball, there'll be highs and lows. Man, you'll celebrate with a win and you'll be depressed in a loss. But when your joy is in the Lord, then everything else be second place. Everything else, you know, Trevor Lawrence said, he said, listen, football's what I do. Jesus followers who I am. Jacksonville may see a revival between Trevor Lawrence and Tim Tebow. They can't get rid of Tim Tebow. They just can't get rid of him. The world has tried to crucify him seven ways to Sunday. And he just keeps telling people about Jesus. He keeps loving on the most disenfranchised in the world. Do you know that his jersey two weeks ago outsold every other jersey in the NFL combined? And he hasn't even stepped up back on the field yet. If Shaka Khan or whatever his name is that owns the Jacksonville Jaguars has any sense, he'll sign him to a 50-year contract. <laughs> Skip Christianity, just talk about good hard business. Sign Tim Tebow and put his face on the jersey and you'll triple the sales then. God is honoring a man who is honoring Christ and putting him first. Joy. Joy through weakness. But then finally, not only are we mapping out the journey through Christ who has mapped it for us, we're just simply looking at the map. By the way, let me just stop right there. You can't save yourself. Matter of fact, you can't even love God until you realize God loves you. And I want to clear up something. You say, not yet. Not now. The world said that all through Scripture. The Bible says it's not up to you. You will never go to him until he draws you. Does this make y'all nervous? Some of you thought so you get nervous. Yeah, I get you to focus. Yeah. Are you focused now? You've got to realize it's not up to your time frame. When God's calling you, and if he's calling you today, it's time to trust him. It's time to put your faith, hope in him. Fueled to the finish. On our way home, well, the night before we left to come back, Thursday, Wednesday night, Brooke said, Drew, you need to get gas. He said, I know. Kept talking. We went to eat. Drew, you need to get gas. I know. Kept talking. Drew, before we leave in the morning, we've got to get gas. We went to the gas station. And we filled up. But along life's journey home, we stopped and had to put more gas in it as well. We couldn't say, man, isn't this fun? We're just fellowshipping in the Lord. We're riding in the air condition and just ignore that one gauge. As it drops, some of you are running on empty. It's time 
to get fueled to the finish. What, what is that? Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Some people have no strength because they have no joy. There's no joy. You know, have you ever seen somebody look like this? Bless God, you can try to bless me if you want to. I got, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to Sunday school, but that ain't mean I got to lock it. I'm going to tithe every week, but I don't like the way they spend it. I don't like the way the preacher does that. And I don't know why we got to do all that other stuff. Listen, is the joy missing in your life? Because without that joy of the Lord, you have no strength. You're just going to mean away. And understand this, nobody cares. Even your family doesn't like to be around somebody that grumbles all the time. And when they preach your funeral, once they get done with the funeral and saying all the things they think they got to say at the funeral, when they sit down over the fried chicken, they go laugh and point and joke about how mean you was. That's where the truth gets told over lunch at a funeral. Y'all know it. Some old people just smell old. They're like, I'm old, I'm going to be old, and I'm going to be mean. That's what old people do. And some people don't wait to get old to be mean. This whole idea that I can be mean, I want everybody to see how mean I am. Look at me. The joy of the Lord should be evident in everything we do. If you can't be happy about it, just don't do it. If you're going to complain about it all, just don't bother. Real joy is the strength of our sovereign Lord. That's where the joy is found. Knowing you can't do anything about life, but he can do it all. Listen to what he does. He is the sovereign Lord over creation, sick healed. He healed the lepers. He healed the Syrophoenician woman. He healed the daughter of the woman who came. He healed the woman who just touched the hem of his garment. He raised the dead. Jesus healed the sick. He is Lord over all creation. He knows you better than you know yourself. Do you know what he said in Psalm? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. There should never be a question whether believers are against abortion or not. It's not about politics. It's about scripture. It's about morality. It's about godly ethics. And the truth is, God is in life. God does life. Stop straining at a gnat to swallow a camel because of what your grandparents told you was the party to vote for. You need to stand on the Bible. And the Bible says that there's sanctity in the life that God creates. I'll go to war over that one. You see, he's the Lord over creation. He's the Lord over nature. Think about this. You ever prayed it'd stop raining? And it may have, may have done it. Not going to deny it. May. Jesus literally spoke into the midst of a monsoon and it just stopped. They were scared to die. You know, we all say, I'm scared to death. They literally was. Jesus just stopped it. 
Not only did he stop it, he just walked across it. Because you see, and, and I know it's a miracle to us, but the truth is, is it really a miracle when God controls nature, he created nature to be able to do that which is above nature? That's just the sovereignty of God. He is deity and we're not. God walks on water. God is above time. God's above the universe. That's the God that provides our joy. He, he stilled the storms. God's over the past. Aren't you glad God's over our past? I don't think some of you are convinced of that. Satan still brings up some of your past and holds you hostage. I've got wonderful news. Lives were changed. He spoke to a Samaritan woman at the well and said, you've been married five times, divorced, and now you're shacked up with a sixth one. He said, you need to get it right, and I'll give you water that you will never thirst again. He met a harlot on the street that they were going to stone to death, and they, he quoted them the word. He stood right there and said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. He did not relieve her of her obligation to repent. He didn't ignore her sin. He said, all have sinned. But when he said that and they left, what did he say? Go and sin no more. When Zacchaeus came down out of that tree and after he followed Jesus, after having that meal, he was not the same Zacchaeus that went up that tree. Peter was not the same as he was the first time he met Jesus when he stood at the Mount of Pentecost. Many believe it was Nicodemus that helped with Jesus' body that Nicodemus was truly born again through the experience of John chapter 3. The fact, though, remains that he is sovereign over our past and lives can be changed. He's sovereign over the present. Listen, hungry fed, needs met. Today, some of you have already seen God do great things today. There's joy in knowing that he's sovereign over our day today, no matter what happens. We all have days in our life that surprise us. Some of them, most of the surprises are not pleasant. But we find hope and joy in knowing he's in control. And then finally, he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. He is sovereign over our future. He's sovereign over our future. Think about it. Jesus... If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. How long had Lazarus been dead? How long? Four days. Now listen, I can assure you that's more important to know than what date Christopher Columbus came to America. Four days. Because you see in the, in the thinking and the psychology, the the. The theology of the day with the Jews, their, their dogma and axiom of death was that the spirit hung around the body for three days before it left. And so 
Some believe that Jesus waited till four days so that there was no question. You know, they came up with an idea that Jesus really didn't die because he was only there for three days. They said he swooned, that somehow he was like he was dead, but he really didn't die. Jesus really died. But that, Lazarus had been dead four days, and his own family said, if you'd have been here, our brother would not have died. Jesus said, you'll see him in the resurrection. Oh, we know that. We know that. No, you don't understand. I am resurrection. I do resurrection. I am the very essence of life. And he called Lazarus, come forth in that past. Was changed. His future was changed. And Lazarus stepped out in his grave clothes. Can you imagine how quick those two sisters went from the saddest of sad to the most joyous people on earth? Today, some of you are carrying around so much weight, and your journey is like you're driving a thousand miles on four flat tires. And somebody's done poured water in your gas tank. And it is time for a tune up, it's a time for a fill up. It's time to get aired up and trust the Spirit of God and the blood of Jesus Christ that we may say, I will walk every step of the way. Enjoy a long life's journey. If you mean that, and you want Jesus to be the center of your wheel, the fuel in your tank, the air in your spiritual tires, then come tell him, Lord, I need Jesus. I need you. Forgive me, cleanse me, make me, save me, mold me, use me. I need to be surrendered in my family. I need to be the godly man you called me to be. I need to be the father you have called me to be, the mother, the daughter, whoever it is. I need to trust you. If you need that joy for the future, why don't you find joy for the present? Come to Jesus. Stand and come. Come to Jesus this morning.